Hello, this is uh, Jonathan Mickles with the Strategic Multifamily Investing Podcast, and I have with me Julie Peterson. Hey, hey Julie. She Hi. is definitely someone if you that you need to have on your team. If you do not have a mortgage person as yet, you're looking for someone, you've been told that you need to have a vendor that's uh, into mortgages, et cetera, you need to call Julie. We'll talk a little bit more about her in the first place, but I, I first want to gush over her and be a fanboy, as some people would say, <laughs> but she truly has been, um, you know, a shining star on, on the team uh, that we're putting together at Red Boot LLC and has provided very deep knowledge and <clears throat> things that we were about to get into. Uh, she <laughs> helped us to say, I don't think you want that, Jonathan, and, uh, <laughs> and provided a, a bright, shiny light. And uh, if nothing else, but to have, you know, a very positive influence on your team. I think when you're creating your team uh, or thinking about creating a team, you need to figure out uh, the type of people that you want to have with you uh, on the journey. Because for a lot of these properties that we're, we're talking about potentially purchasing, uh, you're going to be with these people for five, 10 years. And so you want to make sure mm -hmm. that the relationships are right. We were just having a pre-conversation about that. But I digress. I want to talk to Julie a little, a little bit more. Um, Julie, can you introduce yourself, kind of how you got in the industry and how you got to Old Capital? Sure, sure. Uh, Julianne Peterson with Old Capital Lending. Uh, we are a premier provider of debt for mostly we do uh, multifamily. And we do storage, mobile home parks, industrial, storage, retail. I think I said, two th said at the same time. But um, we do a lot of focus on, on uh, multifamily, especially we, we got started 35 years ago. Paul Peebles started it, and uh, we've done 5,700 loans. We do a billion dollars a year. And, um, you know, it's been a – it's it's been a great time up until just a couple couple months ago but uh i've been in real estate i've you know bought my first house 30 years ago and uh, i've been in real estate been a landlord for 20 years uh had one eviction have been in uh the bay area i'm actually located in san diego but i had property in in the bay area tripled or doubled our money there, went to Chicago, uh, went into negative AM there. Uh, it took me 11 years to get money out of that deal. Uh, I think I made $50,000 uh, in, in appreciation, but you know, great, great cash flow. Then brought uh, that capital over to, to San Diego. And um, you know, we've got 14% increases year over year in appreciation until a couple months ago. So, uh, you know, my interest is I'm an LP on, on quite a few deals. And, uh, you know, on the sidelines, I, I'm not a syndicator. That is a goal of mine to be a, a GP on a deal. But, um, you know, my, my interest is to sell my properties here in California so I can syndicate in other markets where, you know, we're not making $2.49 a month. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I got to ca old capital several years ago, and um, you know, again, we've got six uh, offices. I'm the only one outside of de of Texas, and I'm here to tell you that there is life outside of Texas when it comes to multifamily. Right, right. You know, great, great markets. Uh, we're looking at Phoenix. You know, year over year, 
8% rent increases. Uh, we, you know, Utah is another great market. Boise is, has done some great things in the past. But we spend a lot of time over on the East Coast, uh, or the, the southern part, uh, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina, Savannah, Georgia, Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Tampa, Florida, Jacksonville, Orlando, some great, great markets. And, uh, you know, up until COVID, we were all going, you know, positively into the market, knowing that there was going to be a downturn at some point, but this is not a downturn. You know, this was not an intentional financial downturn. It's rather a, a, a crisis, a, a health crisis that we're in right now. And uh, we are severely being affected by it. Um, from my standpoint, from a, from a lender standpoint, things have come to a screeching halt in, in, some, in some markets, in some ways. Um, we've done a, a lot of interviewing of folks who've been in the market for 35 years or 37 years and have gone through different uh, downturns. And they would tell you that they're taking their foot off the gas right now. It's just very difficult to get into a property that is, you know, being managed correctly with, um, you know, the unemployment and the and, and having people not being able to be evicted and, and forbearance and all of these things are contributing to a, an environment that is, it's difficult to say okay. the least. Right? You've got a lot for me to unpack here. And so I want to ask a yeah. couple of things. Number one, uh, let's give a shout out to the Old Capital podcast, right? Um, Great. Yes, we have. Well, right now we're we have uh, sixty five thousand downloads on old for old capital podcast right now, and you can find that on YouTube. Um, you can go to our website uh, www.oldcapitalpodcast.com and find um, Paul Peebles and Michael Becker are our hosts for most of them. But we're I was on one just recently, so you can hear me speak with uh, some guys that we closed a deal recently in New York, again, outside of Texas. <laughs> right. Well, I, I highly recommend uh, that podcast. I've, I've found some great, uh, great information. And again, um, yeah. Michael is, uh, Michael Becker is also very, very uh, uh, well received, if you will, in the industry. I want to back up a couple of things. You mentioned that you're an LP. What, you know, I, we're, we're talking to some people who maybe just getting started as well. Um, and so I know we throw a lot of, a lot of adjectives around, you know, yes. kind of unpack some of that. What is an LP yeah. and their role? So, yeah. So an LP is a limited partner. So mm -hmm. on a deal, we have to feed the deal with not only our, our general partners or our managers of the deal, we need to feed, they're going to bring about 10%. Okay. But in a deal that has a 75% LTV, we're talking about the rest of the, the, the down payment. Okay. So you need 25%, right? So the GP, the general partners, the managing partners are going to be bringing in 10. So there's 15% that needs to be made up. Right. Those are the people that are, they're called limited partners and they have limited exposure to making decisions. So when you are a limited partner, you are going to be looking at the deal and which, you know, uh, Red Boot is going to be looking for limited partners yeah. and you're going to be presented with the opportunity. You're going to know 
all about the deal. So you, you definitely are investing in it. But in terms of making day-to-day decisions, that's not where the LP is used. Um, these are opportunities that you're going to make a cash-on-cash cash return right. um, on a monthly, quarterly, yearly basis, as opposed right. to the GP that is managing the deal. They're, they find the deal, they work it, they you know, work with the uh, asset manager, they work um, with a bunch of people to, to, to get the, the deal done on a daily and monthly basis. Right. So a lot of times uh, as a limited partner, you'll be looking at deals where you'll be required or the deal requires accredited investors, which are $100,000 investments at a time. So maybe you've got 500,000, you could put your 500,000 there, you could park it there, you could do it 100 here, 100 here in different uh, opportunities. There are sophisticated investors who don't have the capital of a hundred thousand, but maybe they're looking at fifty thousand. Now, re- remember, and I'm sure you've gone over this with your client base before, but maybe not. That you have to have a, a, a relationship before being given the opportunity to invest, and so yes. so we can, yeah, we just one second. We we specifically have talked about uh, Mauricio Roll, the attorney, uh, syndicated oh, yeah. SEC attorney, in, in his seven-step process. And we actually use that. And if you're interested in potentially becoming, um, you know, an investor with us, you can go to our website, Red Boot LLC. And in the top right-hand corner, it says invest with us. If you click there, you can fill out a, a quick questionnaire and we can talk more uh, about that. But that helps us to be able to establish a relationship. And you're correct. And before we can present you with any additional, you know, properties uh, or investment opportunities, we want to be able to understand you and you get you to get to understand us and the people that are on our team. And uh, again, Julie is on our team and we're, we're very happy to, to have her as a part of that. So you mentioned that the GPs are people who are very seasoned and, you know, I know specifically we're looking in Phoenix as one of our areas and we were able to um, partner with a very seasoned uh, operator who's there, who has about 30 plus years of experience. Um, right. We very well could bring on to this show if he, uh, uh, would allow us um, to kind of talk to him and figure out, you know, how he got to be, you know, where he is. But those are the kinds of people that will, you know, from from a red boot perspective, will be, you know, helping us to manage these properties because, again, they've seen the up and down markets, they understand what's going on, uh, and they can help us to navigate uh, these waters. Again, building that team is really important. I'm sorry, I, I think I cut you off where you. No, you know, I would I would just uh, elaborate elaborate on that from a uh, finance side. Sure. Uh, Jonathan, that uh, we as a, uh, as a lender are going to look for those relationships. Now, if you're new as a GP, maybe you don't have experience, but you're in this, you're learning, you're, you're getting to know how to underwrite and all this. You found a deal, but you don't have this experience. You're going to be looking for that, uh, that, that deal sponsor, right? And as a, as a uh, financing company, we're going to want to know who that is. Right. So we, as a, you know, we're, we're helping on that end. Uh, you know, Jonathan, if you went to another area that you don't have a deal sponsor, a lot of times I, because I'm in the middle of these groups, I know the deal sponsor. So that's a, you know, I bring that value to the team so that we can help facilitate you closing that deal that you found, you know, um, maybe all we need is, 
net worth because we require net worth of the loan amount and 10% or nine months, depending on who the lender is, if we're going with Fannie or Freddie, um, we're gonna need liquidity. And so what happens is maybe you have two or three on your team, but your loan amount is ex excessive of what their net worth is. So right. I can help bring those folks, bring those folks on to the team. And she has. <laughs> so we <laughs> yeah. were, we had a, uh, I think also, you know, as a part of the GP, the general partnership, the management team, uh, key person kp is also another term that you may hear is someone generally who is who has that liquidity who has that experience um to be able to help sign for the loan and so we had brought that person already um and come to find out julie already julie had already worked with him on another another deal but when it came to you know the season operator we didn't have that and uh, Julie was able to, you know, facilitate that introduction. Again, this is the reason why I say you need to have her on your team. <laughs> um, because those, those people who are able to perform and perform again and again and again, generally their names continue to keep popping up, right? And these are the same people and it's a, it's, it becomes a smaller and smaller community as you're continuing to learn and grow. Um, even to the extent of some of the vendors, because again, Julie sees all of these people. And so our mm -hmm. insurance, um, persons, uh, we, we receive contact uh, and information from them. I, it, so it, 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 by having sometimes one or two people on your team who, has, who have the relationships to all of these other, other potential people, you really can put together a deal, you know, if it's the right deal uh, pretty quickly. So, you know, you've heard, if you find the deal, then the money will come. This is a part of that. You know, if you find a deal, you know, and you have someone like a Julie on your team, you know, and you you explain your underwriting, which we've done, we've done on, on several different deals. And, you know, we've gone back and what ifs and what ifs and what ifs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're, if you're solid and you're upfront, you've got your hands open in terms of being able to be transparent, um, then I think, you know, people are willing to, to kind of join with you and, and put those things together. So that's great. I, I didn't, did I cut you off? I know you were. No, I would, I would just elaborate on that too sure. in saying, you know, because we have closed so many deals, you know, mm -hmm. we have partners all over, especially in deep relationships yeah. in, in the Texas area where we are, we've been in, in that transaction four times in that building. We've yeah. been the, the lender. So it, it just makes sense that, uh, you know, we can find the buyers, we can find the, the sellers um, that we're really working hand in hand. And, uh, you know, and I have said this from the very beginning that you really, you're looking at your market and then you're looking for your team yeah. and you're looking for your uh, investors. You have to have those first before you go find the property. Okay, that's really, really, really important. And know what your investors are looking for. When you got it. And that's very interesting because sometimes I've received properties in other areas where I don't have a team yet. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, do I even go after this? Because now I have to build another team for that particular area because yeah. certain operators want to stay in certain markets. So you, you aren't able to translate those over. You have to go and, you know, kind of go back to the well and find those other people. So how, you know, how, you know, you and I talked about this uh, earlier in that you're going to be in business with these, with your partners. You know, it's not just a one and done. You're going to be 
managing this property. This is a business. This is not, we find the deal, we find money and it's done. Right. We're in relationship for 10 years, potentially, years. right? I mean, so just to, you know, be calling up people and say, hey, I need a deal sponsor. It's not, it's not like that. Now, maybe you've heard of some people doing that and maybe that worked in the past, but it's volatile times right now and that these deep relationships, whether it's with a lender or it's with your deal sponsor or it's uh, your broker, for heaven's sakes, these are what are going to keep you in the momentum of being in, in a successful lane, if, so, if you will. So I have a question that I think some of our listeners are, are, are screaming, you know, <laughs> Julie, I've got this, this, this potential deal in Mississippi. I say Mississippi. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've heard of this. Yeah, you've heard of this, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, how do I go about finding deal sponsors in Mississippi? I mean, is it that I'm talking to you? You know, I need to be on the phone having a conversation with these people. Where, what, what, where do I start? Where do, where do I start to go find these people? Yeah, that's a great question. And there are many ways to go about it. Um, I always think about like, who's in your network right now, reaching out to them and say, hey, do you know anybody that has done deals in Mississippi? No, I don't, but let me ask so-and-so. And and then maybe it it, it sprawls out to, uh, you know, let's say a mile. You know, you've got, you're right here in the core a mile out doesn't really get you somewhere. So then you go to your next level of folks that you're talking to. And maybe that's in a education program that you maybe post there. Um, And then if that doesn't serve you well, then take it even further and go to Facebook or go to a a urea um so uh, locations yeah. so you've you've got a couple things that pop in my head i want to i want to so if you don't yeah. have an education whatever again i'm going to plug michael blank michaelblank.com uh dealmaker mastermind i think it's uh 49 50 bucks a month for you to be a part of that and there's a slack channel that comes along with that yeah. where there's an abundance of people and julie's in there as well very active um that you can post these kinds of questions to as well as you know, yeah. if you have a deal, you know, <laughs> and you need that to have that uh, analyzed or whatever, you can find those kind of people. And then you mentioned um, not just the uh, Facebook, Facebook. So yes. So here is a here is a, a something that just popped in my mind. Even if you're not a part of any Facebook groups that have syndication as a part of them, let me pause and let me go over to LinkedIn because it's popping in my head right now. Absolutely, yes. LinkedIn has syndication groups, uh, multifamily groups that are out there that you can go and post into and or research and find people and talk to them so that you can begin to establish those, again, substantive relationships to be able to find a deal sponsor. But if you know none of that, think about taking 35 bucks, seven dot, well, no, no, let me see, yeah. $5 $5 a day for seven days, because I think that's the, the lowest that you can create an ad for, and create an ad for a syndicator that is in that area. You can mm-hmm. you can go and, and flip it on its head. Syndicators are generally, I don't know what the age range is, but you could do that. You can, you know, whatever the demographics are, the psychographics, you should be able to create a Facebook ad for that and have them to be able to go to a landing page or to a form um, and say, hey, you're looking for deals that are in XYZ area. And then that way it's a pull. People are going to see the ad, they'll click on it, they'll fill it out, 
and you may find you know uh, a partner there who can help you do the syndication you might just find other additional LPs or you may have other people who are GPs but may not necessarily be operators yeah. that would be another way for you to be able to find people and to begin to establish the relationship you're not presenting the deal to them again Mauricio World has um, some specific guidance based on SEC guidelines, I think, that he's interpreted. Again, I recommend going out and looking for his, um, uh, his, his stuff. Roll A-R-A-U-L-D, Mauricio uh, Roll. Yeah. Please go and look at those things. So, But again, it's a way of being able to make initial contact to be able to develop a substantive relationship. Okay, yeah. sorry. Was there anything else, You another way that... No, I, I think I found a lot of value in getting into uh, the Facebook, uh, like multifamily groups. Okay. So not only just the broad spectrum of, you know, multifamily, but really drill down to certain um, groups in that area as well. I think there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. There's another group, uh, say, for instance, I'm talking about Phoenix. Um, there is meetup.com. Go, go to meetup.com and type in multifamily because there may be multifamily meetups that you can attend. And even now in the COVID situation, you may not be able to go face to face. A lot of them are having virtual meetups uh, where they can zoom in, you can meet people, you know, get, get involved. So there are multiple different ways that you can go and find other people who could potentially be uh, GPs and LPs and things of like that sort. And if you run across somebody who does not, again, have the personality um, or, you know, can't develop the relationship that you need, want, that makes it flow, keep trying. Um, keep trying. There's a lot of people out there. Keep trying. <laughs> keep trying. Lots and lots. Keep trying. Uh, yeah, keep trying. You'll, 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 you'll ultimately find some people. And, I, and I'm, 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 a, I'm a witness and a testament to that because, you know, uh, there were some people who necessarily, uh, you know, didn't flow with me and I didn't flow with them. And it's not wrong, it's just different, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like uh, being back in elementary school and you know, trying to find that group of kids that you wanna play with on the playground, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and, you know, let's face it, again, if you're looking for that syndicator, you wanna have a very good, close relationship. And these things do not just happen overnight. Yeah. You yeah. know, this has to be developed over time. And yeah, you might have a deal and that looks exciting to them, but if they don't, if you don't have a good, you know, first time meeting or even third time, I, yeah. I, I would move on. <laughs> That's good. I thank Too you much for that. to risk. Too much yeah, to I, risk. I, I remember talking with someone at one time and um, they had the money. They said, I've got X amount of money and da da da, da but I want to have control mm -hmm. and I want to do this and I want to do that. And it was just like, we just, we haven't even, we've just met. Hey, you know, I, yeah. I want to, you know, let's talk before, you know. Um, before and it, we go to get married. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was just not quite, you know, at that time, it, it may not be uh, that way in the future, but just at that time, it just wasn't right. Um, I want to pivot the conversation a little bit because you talked about COVID-19. You've been talking to a lot of operators. You just had someone close. Um, when we're recording this, we're in May of 2020. Um, they closed in New York, uh, which was initially an epicenter, you know, and it was a multifamily deal. So there's a lot of stuff here. Well, we I will tell you that we closed before COVID and it okay. was probably, you know, four days before COVID. So 
you know, we were so, so lucky, Jonathan. It was, uh, it was the time where we had a Fannie loan. So Fannie loans uh, take about 60 days for the committees to read, to look at them and, uh, you know, shuffle over here and shuffle over there and okay, it looks good. And you sign there and, and it's, it's not until like day 55 that you have a commitment from them oh. and the, the market can go like this, right? I mean, you don't know. Whereas with <laughs> Freddie, exactly. you can, the day you sign on the loan, you lock that loan right. different than Fannie. So this, this loan, um, had we been on a, a, as a Freddie, we probably saved 75 bits by waiting. Yeah, it, it ended up great, <laughs> these guys. It That's really loan. good. Yeah. And they got more loan dollars and they got a lower rate and, and, and they were able to do a Fannie loan as opposed to a Freddie. And again, we can go into this another time sure. where we talk about specifics of uh, the different loans that are out there, but um, really, really great to have been able to close that before COVID. Um, since COVID, like I say, a lot of people have taken their foot off the gas. Um, why, why? I mean, but you know, generally you hear people say, you know, when everybody is scared and running away, this is the time to run in and do deals. And you're saying, uh, people who've been around for 30 years or so in this business are saying, I'm taking my foot off the gas. Not that they're stopping the car and parking it, but, you know, I would think that this is where you put more, you know, gas, you know, put your foot it, on the it, gas. It would seem, and that's what we've heard in the past. And, and yeah. I think that these guys are still considering things, whether they're really are making sense is where, yeah. you know, where the rubber hits the road, if you will. So on a finance side, what we are requiring um, from our syndicators, our GP, is between two, I'm sorry, between 12 months and 18 months of reserves. That's principal and interest reserves. So that could be, you know, $450,000 sitting but, on well, the sidelines. What was it before COVID when everything was, was right with the world? We didn't have that. You, you would just have, you know, you there was no requirement unless, you know, people would decide how much for themselves. Maybe they did nine months, maybe they did, you know, 12 months. The ones that are not struggling right now had 12 to 18 months. Ah. But this money is held, that, that, that other money was their own money. This is no longer their own money. This is being held in an escrow account that is, you know, not, it, they cannot utilize it until the government Re removes the the conditions of COVID. So and, if, if the property can no longer perform, you, is the government going to tap into that money to maybe make some of the principal and interest payments or? Potentially, you know, no. but the, you know, we're going to underwrite that as lenders. We're going to underwrite that so that, you know, there's enough when we're looking at the pro forma that there's enough DSCR that we'll be able to have the ability to 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 manage this property correctly. The SCR is debt service debt coverage. service coverage ratio. Right, right, that right. So is you, so you have to have a one. You know, if it's a one right? That is making the payment. So what we're asking for is twenty five percent more to cover in case there was emergencies. 
So in markets where they were standard or top markets, we were at 1.0, I'm sorry, 1.20. Right. Now we have bumped that up to 1.25. Mm. Or if it was at 1.3, now we're at 1.35. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're putting these requirements in. We also have one year of taxes and insurance. And if you have run underwritten um, taxes and insurance recently, if you haven't, you better make sure you have a couple sips of alcohol before you do that because it is impacting your 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 ability to buy properties okay it's the expenses are they're being impacted by these two line items okay so 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 we're requiring um those two items as well as reserves which again these were reserves that were just hey we're underwriting this from a lender we're using 250 on fanny and i'm sorry on freddie and 300 on on uh fanny now it is required All now right. you have wanna, to come up with that let me pause because i know some people are like huh wait, you did yeah. <laughs> give me, give me, let me just go back and break down a little bit more. So um, on, on your exiting costs, your closing costs, you're talking about uh, reserving 12 months of interest, uh, 12 months of insurance. Now in the pre-COVID era, how much insurance was generally um, reserved? Uh, it would depend on how much was left from the other folks, you know, yeah. so. And then in terms of the taxes, it was, uh, un- we were underwriting 12 months of taxes, no matter what, um, pre-COVID. I know some, some, uh, some people were doing about six months uh, yeah. of COVID, uh, pre-COVID, but now we're talking 12 months of insurance, 12 months of tax, 18 months of principal and interest. Those things have to be done. And in addition to that, we're talking about reserves. Now, if you're looking at a pro forma, there are two two places where reserves exist. There's there's one that's above the line that's for capex or capital expenditures. Capital expenditures are the fixes and things that you need to do to the property. That's above the line, and generally, well, there are definite rules of thumb for that one. Well, let me give you that rule of thumb. Generally, whatever the average rent is that you have, you take that per every property, and multiply that every per, door. Every door. Right. And then you add that. That is generally what you're going to set aside as a reserve account for capital expenditures. Right. Things that need to be fixed. And then there is a below the line capital expenditure. Right. Or below the line uh, reserve. And that's the one. And you're saying that prior to COVID for Fannie, that was two hundred and fifty dollars per door. Well, that was just used for underwriting purposes. It was yeah. not a requirement. Where it was a requirement is when you got into the deal and hey, you know, as a lender side, we said, okay, we see you have to re- repair or replace the roof. Mm-hmm. That's going to be put into below the line. We have to collect that. We're going to hold it. It's going to be put into the payment, right? And, and, and so at some point that has to be done. Right. Whereas above the line, these things just are, uh, you know, the uh, washer dryer went out. So yeah. we have to pay for that. So these are accidentals, if you will, as opposed to these are requirements. So, right. and below the line used to be, you know, from a, a lender standpoint, these were optional 
right? Until it got to the um, performance that when we analyzed it from a lender side, what was required. Um, and even in that, you know, people were really should be, you know, on these older properties. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing, we're hearing more like 600. Yes. And we're, we, in our underwriting, we're a little bit more conservative. We add a, we add a little bit more to that per door and set yeah. aside for the below the line um, yeah. reserves. Because again, for older properties, also just for any, you know, if you have, depending on the size of the property, like if you have on-site, you know, maintenance uh, folks, you're going to need to have money set aside for them to be able to do their job, especially if it's an aging property or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, not setting that money aside is really going to, to hurt you. Now, with that, you know, you actually wind up with a lot of reserves um, that then could, you know, lower what you can offer on a property because you're setting aside so much money. for Yes. Just so, and, 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 and stick taking it a step further, really, then you're talking about returns to your investors. So yeah. that really, that's where this really is impactful. Um, yeah. Because obviously we need our LPs to feed this. And if LPs are saying, hey, I want to get 8% day one, we just can't return those right now. Uh, yeah. You know, we're, we're seeing many of the folks that we're working with are saying, you know, flat rents or even declining rent in rental income for at least two years. I even have heard three years. Oh. <laughs> Flat rents. Okay. So um, generally when you're underwriting, again, if you don't, you know, understand how to underwrite and need a tool, again, michaelblank.com, syndicated deal analyzer, we call it the SDA. You mm -hmm. should get it. And so in the SDA, you are able to model increases in both expenses and in rents. Mm -hmm. And you can do that per year over time. And so generally there is a, a default amount that's been set in there for both expenses and, and income over time. And that's basically set for markets that are, say, performing, like we talked about Phoenix mm -hmm. here, you know, was, you know, eight, 18, eight to 14 percent, you know, year over year. Year over year. Crazy. Yeah. And we, yeah. Now that's way high. I would not say ever to model that um, no. default. But um, now what we're saying is that you can expect your income, your rents not to increase for at least the next two years, quite possibly the next three years. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, is now we're asking for those reserves. So it's really incredible when we do go ahead and whether, I mean, there's, two ways that this could go. You could use those reserves for your CapEx expenses. So right. maybe you're looking at this property and saying, hey, this is a great value add deal, meaning yeah. you're maybe you're going to reposition it. Yeah. You can use those reserves. That's the above. And then start it. Right. Yeah. Um, or you can return that to your investors. And the returns then, you know, we're seeing eight, nine, nine and a half, on you know day or um, year two, maybe year three, depending on how long we keep those reserves there. Um, you know we we need at least two quarters after we 
see the government lifted and right. we need to see that that DSCR, that debt service coverage ratio remains the same at 1.25 if you're um, in those certain markets, that that remains correct for 90 days. Wow. So there's a lot of things, a lot of working pieces. Um, so we asked uh, these operators recently in a webinar and we said, okay, so 200 unit building, distressed asset, but still 90% occupancy right. in, in the Dallas metro area. How would you finance this? And each one said, bank financing and why no one does bank financing you don't want bank financing when you're a big operator you don't want to have somebody use your balance sheet right you want to have capital you don't have any restraints which is what a bank will do as a recourse loan and we can go into that now or later <laughs> but to keep the but to keep the flow of information going sure they would choose a bank loan over a non-recourse that would do all these requirements with all of the reserve requirements because you're asking your investor pool to bring in this and they're not going to get the returns that they would had they not been asked to do that so, let, me so make, let me make sure i got that so we're saying yeah. you know Fannie freddie would be considered government financing just so everybody understands so yeah while uh, old capital would be say your mortgage company that you're working with i mean they can do you know fannie freddie which is considered government now what we're talking about when we talk about bank we're talking about like generally a local bank local to where oftentimes the property is who may not have the restrictions for the reserves that we're talking about with fannie freddie right but you're giving up by going to a uh, a bank a local bank is the recourse part and what does that mean so, so yeah you're signing that you will you will pay this loan regularly and if you don't jonathan we're coming after you i always like to do it think about it like this it's my hand going into your pocket and saying let me have that wallet and i'll be back and i'll be back I've got this, your wallet, your money, your identity. I'm going to hold on to that. Right. Keep it hostage until we get my, all my money paid back or the, you know, the term of the loan, right. which is holding up your assets. You are holding your uh, hostage, your, your, your uh, balance sheets. So you're restricting your capability to purchase others while, you know, you, 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 when you buy a house, you can only get a loan for a certain amount dependent right. on your income, right? So you won't, might not be able to purchase another asset. And the whole point of this is to use other people's money, you know, and, and if your money is stuck, you can't do that. Right. So, so if you are a beginner and again, you need to consult your own, um, tax attorney, your own attorney, what, whomever your financial uh, advisors are. Yeah. But I would say given this information, it seems like if you're just beginning, you probably want to go after a non-recourse loan um, rather than a recourse loan. A non-recourse loan, again, those reserves are there to help 
the government be able to take care of things, barring anybody did anything negative, right? Uh, you know, intentional uh, to be able to repay back the loan and, you know, deal with those things. It's kind of like, yeah. uh, so again, there is a, a way and a, and a reason in, uh, uh, to use uh, recourse loans. But again, those are seasoned operators, those people who have a track record, people who understand how to manage an asset and, and have teams of property managers and other people in place to be able to take that risk of going uh, for a recourse loan. Am I getting that correct, uh, Julie? Uh, the recourse versus the non-recourse. Uh, you know, people, I'll tell you this, that Fannie and Freddie never did uh, play. They didn't participate in the syndication model uh -huh. five to seven years ago. Okay. It's really only come in that they saw that this was an opportunity, that it wasn't just one guy who owned a bunch of oil and gas in Texas or 10 guys that were owning all of this. The model then became, hey, we can pool our money, right? And we're buying as syndicators, syndicating people's money, you know, SEC regulations and all that played in. Um, up until five years ago. So they believe in this model. Um, what has happened over the last couple of years is that uh, a lot of people got into it. A lot yeah. of people that may have been on the fringe and putting these deals together and it wasn't as solid, that has caused, you know, again, this is why we're pulling back a little bit and asking for these reserves because of what you know, the influx of all these new investors and, and such. Um, so that's, we just don't know what's gonna happen over the next three to five months, maybe even six months with these investors who came in over the last couple of years had very skinny uh, returns yeah. Or, yeah. or capitalization or liquidity in yeah. the deal, right? Yeah. right? You know, they were paying, paying high do top dollar. They were yeah. in the, in the best and final and then they went to the next best and final and then they asked for earnest money down hard meaning yeah. you're losing fifty thousand hundred thousand on day one thousand right i mean those days are over for now okay okay those the the pricing based on the income which we still see income being very strong um, especially in the A's and B's, really good income. Um, and that's off just a little bit. But remember, when mm -hmm. we're going into these deals, these are businesses, and the way that they are appraised, how we find the value is how much the income is coming in and the NOI, right? That's telling us the value. It's not like single family. Right. where we decide that the purple house is valued at 500,000 because it just sold two weeks ago. This is all about the income that is produced by this property. Um, and if the income is going down because right. you're not able to get your tenants to pay, they're out of a job, they've been out for some time, they are doing, they have their unemployment checks and boy, are they big. But when is that going to stop? You know, there's lots of philosophies and theories about that, yes. and we can go down the road, and that would make this podcast. Yeah, we could go forever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But you know, if you think about it, 
we have these things in places, the, the stimulus and, the, and the, um, the extra money that's being presented to us in the unemployment checks. That is done to keep peace, you know? And they're doing a, a really good job of keeping the peace, you know? And so how long is it bad to keep the peace and then getting Freddie off the couch because he's now used to getting everything paid. When does it become detrimental? When does it become a more of a problem for these operators? We just don't know, but I think we're gonna see a big, a big shift. I think you're gonna see prices 20% off of what they were. 20%. That means things go on sale, <laughs> buy lows. Right. So then I think that's when, I guess, the gas, you know, those operators who put their, took their feet off the gas would potentially yeah. go put their foot back on the gas. So it may not be now, it may be in a couple months, say, you know, three, four, five months from now. So then what that means is an opportunity, especially for those who are getting started, and especially for those, yeah. say, like myself, who are looking at other markets, right? Um, yeah. that you're now contacting those seasoned operators who've taken their foot off the gas to develop those significant relationships yeah. now. Absolutely. So that when things start jumping to take a 20, 20% dive, you have your hand on what's happening in that area and are able to pick up the phone and now present opportunities to yeah. these people because you've established those relationships. So if you haven't established relationships before, now is the time to establish those relationships. Pick up the phone, make those phone calls, get the no's, get the rejections, get the who are you's, all of that kind of good stuff. Um, again, shout out to Michael Blank. There are ways that you can present yourself in such a way so that people will see what you bring to the table and, and that value add. I mean, for some of the operators, they're so, you know, they may be at the point where they're kind of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm operating and, you know, I really don't look at properties anymore. And they may be looking for someone like yourself um, yeah. to bring them opportunities, to bring them deals that are, you know, conservatively underwritten, that are, you know, have, have solutions and things for them to be able to take a look at and for them to be able to choose yes, no. You never know. Something may come up where they say, I like that. That's good. You know, you underwrite that well. You know, let's potentially take, you know, let's move forward with this one. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not discouraged, but I'm encouraged, if you will, with this, you know, as a, as a person who, you know, is starting an organization and, and building a team, we haven't gotten our first deal yet, but we will. And with that, you know, there are things that we can do now that puts us into the game, just like all the other big, big players right now. So listen, we have spent time and you and I know we can continue to keep going and there are at least two podcast follow-ups that we need to do um, and I'm pretty sure I'd love to schedule those but listen Julie I want to say thank you so much for uh, for coming on our, our podcast and giving giving our listeners such uh, great value add information how can people get in contact with you I am uh, readily available whether it's email J Peterson p-e-t-e-r-s-o-n at oldcapitallending.com or office, which rings my cell, 972-833-2774. I am happy to spend time with you. Um, do the due diligence now. Figure out where you need to go, where you're going, uh, where we can put some 
get some help for you, whether it's a deal sponsor, get some LPs or, you know, um, uh, insurance broker, whatever, pick up the phone, let me know how I can help. I'm, I'm happy to help. And keep in mind that time kills all deals. So start now. You're Let's right. make it happen. You're so right. Listen, I, I, I can 100% say she means it when she says pick up the phone and give her a call and reach out to her. Um, uh, and if there's anything that we can do here, of course, at Red Boot LLC, we'd love to potentially partner with you and see if we have, you know, some Patago relationship that we can work together with Julie on the next deal. So go and go over to redbootllc.com or if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, go to the description. Or if you're watching this from the website, listening to this from the podcast, look in the description. All that stuff should be there. Again, thank you so much, Julie, for your time. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon.